For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bamani Jones says it's kind of eerie watching NFL games this year. The national anthem is sung remotely. The crowd noise is canned, a baseline murmur piped in by the league itself. The stadiums aren't even close to full. Whoever the first person was to come up with the laugh track has been totally validated um, <laughs> in his decision, right? Bumani reports on all this for ESPN. Because these games feel empty in a lot of ways without people. Like, they're trying to pipe in the noise to kind of recreate the effect of it. But fans are so much a part of the television production. And I think, if nothing else, everything that's happened in COVID has laid bare that what sports are, particularly to, like, the money-making engine that we got— are television shows, and a significant part of the television show is not there without people being there. Instead of people, football's television co-star this season is COVID, because the coronavirus is also in these stadiums. Silent, invisible, but right there on the field, all 32 teams have suspended players for testing positive for coronavirus, but not a single game has been canceled. Not yet, anyway. I think that there's a segment of people that measure how well a league is doing in these times by whether or not games get played, right? Like, there's like, hey, man, we got all these games played. We need football because football has a much more religious place um, in this society than any other sports do. And so they're like, yo, the church is open. Thank God. So if you could describe the NFL in one word right now, like what word would you use? Confusing. <laughs> I would I would say the NFL is confusing. What I don't know, though, is whether or not the NFL is confused. And I think that that's the biggest problem that they've had so far is that none of their actions seem to indicate that there's a larger plan. When I look at the chaos in professional football over the last few weeks, I see failure, needless infections, risk after pointless risk. I look at the way the NBA was able to bubble up and keep their players safe and I wonder, why can't this league get it together? Bamani sees the NFL a little differently. They've decided that if it is at all possible for us to play games, we are going to play games. And then if people test positive, we're just going to get them out of the sample as much as possible to hope that nobody else catches it. And that's really, I don't know how much more can be expected of them, to be honest. Well, hold it, hold it, hold it. Because the NBA, yeah, they had a bubble. But they also had like a hundred something page plan and they have a whole new hundred something page plan for this new season coming up. So does the NFL have anything like that? That's the part I don't think anybody actually fully really knows. Right. <laughs> and, and, and they are so arrogant that they don't feel like they got to tell anybody about these things. And the truth is they're right. Right. They, they're under no obligation really to make sense of this for anybody else. Because the people just love the game so much. Yeah. People, if you put the football game on, people are going to watch it. That awful Dallas Washington game on Thanksgiving <laughs> got 30 something million viewers. Wow. Right. Like, like these aren't even, I don't care how popular you think the Cowboys are. Like, that's bad football. And they still got 30 million people to watch it. Today on the show, with millions of Americans tuning in, 
just whose fault is it that coronavirus is raging through professional football? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Back in March, when the U.S. was dealing with its first wave of coronavirus, and just about everything was shutting down, the NFL held this press conference by speakerphone and announced their fall season would be continuing as normal. Damn the torpedoes. And the league has stuck with that assertion, even as a second and then third wave of COVID walloped the country, even as other sports made different choices, like the NBA, which bubbled up in Orlando, holding playoffs at Disney World. Yeah, but the NBA was in a different situation, though, because they were bubbling basically for the last, like, seven games of the regular season and then for the playoffs. It didn't seem as daunting, I think, as it was going to seem for football players in that time. And it's a whole lot more of them. Like, I don't know how feasible it would be to put that bubble together, but I also understand why it is that the players didn't want to do it because everybody I talked to, media player, whatever, that was in the NBA bubble, When I asked, I was like, so could you do it again? And before I could get to the second syllable of again, the answer was no. Cross the board. None of them felt like they could do it again. So the NFL players themselves didn't want to bubble? No, this was part of the negotiation. That's not, I mean, bubbling is, I mean, it's a horrible scientific experiment when you stop and think about it. Because part of it with bubbling is, it's not simply that like you're in this place and nobody else can get in. For the most part, you got a lot of dudes that just have to be in their rooms all the time. It is an incredibly solitary experience. And as much as maybe they don't even necessarily want to bubble for themselves, does your wife want you to be in a bubble? Do your kids want you to be in a bubble? Like, what are the constraints that wind up there? Like, if you're a person, like my buddy I work with, he's not in the NFL anymore, but my guy Damian Woody, he got like six or seven kids. You gonna leave your wife at home with six or seven kids trying to figure out who's gonna lead the Zoom for school? <laughs> you know, like, these are these are still people with their own lives, and I don't know how many people, like, in our line of work, for example, how many of us talking would be willing to go into a bubble for our jobs? We wouldn't. We just have a different expectation of these guys. Bamani says being in a bubble would also just be different for football players. They're constantly injured, constantly in pain. Most of the players love the game anyway and need it to get by financially. To understand the player perspective here, Bamani says just look at how they advocated for more explicit COVID guidelines from the NFL this summer. Instead of calling the league out, they started a hashtag called We Want to Play. Bamani calls that a tactical move. For the NFL, the dudes make a lot of money, or at least a lot of money in the eyes of the general public. There's a longer discussion to be had about if you start off dead broke and your career is only probably going to be two years, $500,000 a year is not a lot of money. 
right? But it seems to people for obvious reasons that $500,000 is a lot of money. And so their thing is, these guys are rich. These guys don't want to do this. They don't really want to earn their money, so forth and so on. And so the players have to say, no, we want to play, but we need to know that playing is going to be safe for us. The general public believes that they should be willing to play no matter what. Like think about how many unsafe conditions that generally happen in football that people think these guys are supposed to play through, you know? They believe, no, you are supposed to play. We want to watch you play. And they're like, no, no, no. We want to. Trust me. We just don't want to catch COVID-19. Right. I mean, you just I just think about like the head injuries. Like we were talking about those for years and it didn't really change the fact that people wanted to play football and wanted to watch it. Yeah. I mean, those dudes had to be told not to play through head injuries. Right. Like it wasn't simply that there were head injuries and guys were playing. It is guy has concussion and you have to hide his helmet to stop him from playing. Like that's how badly these dudes want to play football. But they always have to fight against the idea that people think that they are greedy. And so they did something I thought that was very strategically wise, which was get as many white dudes as they could out front hmm. to be like, no, no, no. Trust me. It's cool. It's not just them. We, we also want to play, but we needed to be safe. And then maybe somebody would listen. What I think was kind of staggering, though, is when you look at the time that that happened and we were, you know, five, four, five, six months deep into the pandemic and people still needed to be convinced that, yo, this might not be the safest thing in the world. Like that, that, that is the part I think nobody could have predicted is that once we got to this point that people would still be on the, what's the big deal? It's just a cold. I think that in the end, when the, we want to play thing happened, it worked. It, it was effective in a way because it, it centered it around the idea that players actually want to play as opposed to them being greedy. So I thought that it was helpful in that regard, but I also think it undercut the subversive nature of what I thought was necessary in these times, which is to ensure and demand that the health of the players is paramount in this rather than simply trying to get these games played. And I don't think that the health of the players has been deemed paramount at this point. In early September, the NFL kicked off as planned, and there have been outbreaks. First, the Tennessee Titans had 24 people test positive for the virus. The league fined them 350 grand for violating protocols. In the past couple of weeks, though, the spread seems to have accelerated. The Baltimore Ravens popped a bunch of positives, leading the NFL to put their big Thanksgiving game on hold. That game was then played on a Wednesday, only the second time football's been played on Wednesday since 1949. At the same time, the Denver Broncos were forced to pull up a wide receiver from their practice squad to fill in as quarterback. All their other options were under quarantine. Now, how do you think about the NFL in this situation? Because I guess the NFL could have made the decision to call off the game, wait for folks to be out of their quarantine, that sort of stuff, but they didn't. And the way one of the writers at Slate put it was it was kind of like if your parent catches you smoking a cigarette and then they That's make you the smoke pack. the whole pack. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like punishment. Like you guys messed up and now you got to play your game anyway. Yep. And, and in this case, just for people to understand, who did the Broncos have at quarterback? A gentleman named Kendall Hinton, who was an all-state high school quarterback and played some quarterback in college, but was on the practice squad at wide receiver because he's just not good enough to play quarterback. And that a dude had no practices, had to go play quarterback. Yikes. And it went about as well as you'd expect. Yeah, 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 it did. It did. And you know what? Props to him for completing a pass. 
I was I was really really impressed by the fact that he completed a pass. Like like way to go, guy. Um, I also think it's worth noting that Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, when he had a press conference after it, chastised the quarterbacks for their irresponsibility. He seemed to be salty with them also that it got them into that situation. So I think in one part it might have been a punishment. I also think though that the other part of it is this is football. People miss games because they physically can't play all the time. This is just a different kind of physically can't play. The league said they felt like the outbreak had been contained in Denver. And if that was the case, then I agree. They absolutely should have played the game. Here's a question I can't stop thinking about. Who is this messy system good for at this point? Like the NFL doesn't look great because it's clear that whatever things they put in place that were supposed to maybe protect the players certainly aren't. Like, no one looks good. And then the individual players and coaches don't look great either because the NFL keeps pointing the finger at them and saying, look at these guys misbehaving. Oh, nobody looks good, right? And the players resent the idea of being blamed because we have a very gray ethical area in this time of COVID, which is when it is or is not appropriate to blame somebody for catching it, right? Like, like when is it or is it not your fault that you got it? And so the way the league is looking at it is, if you adhere to the protocols, you will be fine. Now, that's not necessarily true. If you adhere to the protocols, you probably got a really good chance, but that's not necessarily true. But as soon as they find out that you did not adhere to the protocols, now it becomes your fault. Now, something I think that's worth noting is that it was not good for baseball early in this, but something I think that was an inflection point for baseball was when the team in Cleveland wound up having their issue where they had two guys who they found out were out. They caught it. They lied and said that they had not been out. Um, I think they wound up trading both of those dudes because they lost the trust of the clubhouse. Hmm. The players, the players were just like, yo, you're messing this up for everybody. And one of those guys was really good. And they had to get him out of there at some point because he just could not be a member of that team anymore. And so I think for baseball, the big thing that happened was their enforcement mechanism came from the players. And then once that happened, you had a much better chance of keeping that thing under control. And that's why I think the NFL is kind of on the, hey, man, if we lean on these guys and they lean on each other, even if they're not thinking about this in a like egalitarian sort of way, right? Even if they're just thinking about it selfishly, the best chance it is working is the players enforcing so are you thinking that the NFL, which a lot of people are saying, like, why don't you just like shut it down for a week or two, something? What you're saying, it sounds like, is that you think instead the NFL may be at this inflection point where enough has gone wrong that the players and the teams will start cracking down. Yes. I also ask this question, like, shut it down and then what? Right. Like, like, it's not like COVID is getting better out here. Um, it's not like, you know, in the general population that the state of affairs is improving. Is the shutdown that people talk about really going to improve the situation enough to make it worth it for them to do this? And again, keep in mind, everybody has a financial incentive to do as best as they can in order to keep this thing going, right? I am firmly in the camp that if it is at all safe for you to do this, you should try. And I don't know if I even myself have seen enough to make me say, okay, now we have to pull the plug on this whole thing. I'm just, I, I'm not yet at that point. I think they want to hold on as best as they can to where they stand 
um, on the calendar. They'd like to play the Super Bowl in the week in which they want to play the Super Bowl. I do think they have the option after a point comes where they can push some things back if they want to and, you know, create the space that they need. But I think if I'm in the NFL office and people are like, we just need to shut down, my question really does become then, how much is that actually going to help? And I don't have an answer for that myself. But I guess the nuts part to me is like, my kids still aren't in full-time school. So it's crazy to me that we're having a football season where the players are at more risk, the people watching the games are at more risk. It just seems completely out of proportion. Yeah, I think all of us, I, th- I something that I think is kind of important, because I don't think that anything you said is wrong per se, right? But I think that we have a tendency to look at coming to get the money. You know, everybody, we say that all of this is about money. But when we say that, we are implying a certain level of greed on behalf of those people who want this money. And I just don't think it's as simple as being greedy as much as I really don't know what else we think everybody's supposed to do. Even if you think these guys make a lot of money, most of them don't have a lot of money, right? Like the the, the median salary in the NFL is something like $830,000. And this is in a league where the minimum is around five hundred thousand dollars right like i mean that basically tells you but that sounds like a lot to me it does sound like a lot until you think about the fact that this is money that guys need to be keeping for the rest of their lives like they are not guaranteed to still be making a wage in their 40s even in their late 20s right it's how long is the average career uh three years oof okay yeah you got to save that yeah yeah that's what i'm saying and on top of having to save it um one chances are No matter who you are, some of your money is going to family and other people that need to be taken care of, right? There's a percentage that's going to your agent. There's a good chance in the offseason there's a level of training and things that you are going to have to invest in yourself in order to stay in the league in the first place, right? So when we start adding up all these different things that come up, uh, in theory, you could save money by living in a modest apartment and driving a Honda Civic. You can't drive no Honda Civic if you weigh 285 pounds, for example. Like, that's not it. You can't, like, can you really just live in an apartment complex, for lack of a better term, with a bunch of regular people if you are a person who is in the NFL? Probably not, right? right? So these are additional expenses that you now are going to have to incur. And then all of a sudden, that 500 starts getting whittled down, whittled down, whittled down, pretty high tax rate, especially depending on where you live, right? Whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. And then you add to that, these are people in their 20s. They're not necessarily inclined to make the most responsible decisions with money just because they're people who are in their 20s. That is not a person that can necessarily afford to go a whole year without a paycheck, especially when the last season ended, nobody expected that there was going to be a pandemic. This is not something that people had planned for. And so, no, I mean, guys needed that money. The owners, their businesses, if the owners need the money, and they do need the money. Tillman Fertitta is an NBA case, but Tillman Fertitta is the owner of the Houston Rockets. He only also owns the Landry's restaurant chain. It is a privately held company. This dude's money is all tied up in restaurants and casinos. He is not doing well. That's not looking great right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad pandemic portfolio for him to have. Earlier this year, he borrowed hundreds of millions of dollars at 13% because his money was so bad. That's a credit card rate, right? At 13%. And we find out a few days ago that he is looking to take his privately held company public. That is a man who needs cash. And if that man needs cash, you can understand how the players might need cash. 
More from Bomani Jones after a quick break. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A few days ago, the New York Times published an op-ed about this football season. It was called, Do We Need Football This Badly?, the writer said the NFL is running a circus. What I wanted to ask Bomani is whether the rest of us are paying attention to the right elements of this circus, or whether the postponed games and the eagerness to blame someone, anyone, for spreading the virus are preventing us from seeing something more fundamental. Something that stands out to me, though, looking at all the coverage of what's happening with the NFL, is that we're spending a lot of time talking about, like, sort of the logistical chaos because it's what we're all seeing, right? Like, we're we're seeing the games switching times. We're seeing all of a sudden the first game played on a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> for I don't know how many years. But the stories of players and coaches getting sick, I don't feel like we're hearing those as much. Yeah. Like, one, one of my colleagues here, Joel Anderson, pointed out that the Jaguars have this running back, Raquel Armstead who's been hospitalized twice yeah. with COVID. And it made me wonder if we were paying more attention to those people, whether the conversation might shift. Yeah, Joel and I have talked about that a lot. Because, um, I mean, we basically work with the same pattern on all of these, especially with these people who are being tested all the time. And it's that positive test comes in. Find out who was tested positive. That person always is either asymptomatic or has mild symptoms because they just found out right and they didn't just find out because they had been sick and then finally went in and got tested they just found out because they test them regularly so they're catching it early and we find out about it when they don't really exhibit symptoms and then we don't come back again until they test negative hmm. right that's when we but we ask no questions on the in-between, and nobody's asking them how they felt or any of that stuff. And to be fair to media on that front, football players aren't inclined to tell you how bad they feel, ever. You know, that's just not that's, that's just not how they're conditioned. And so we have no idea who is still out here struggling. Like Cam Newton, for example. Um, I think he's playing poorly largely because his foot is not good. But how much of that has to do with COVID? That dude is never going to tell you. Say what you want about Cam Newton. He ain't never blamed anything on anybody else about his performance ever in his football career. And he ain't about to start right now just because it's COVID. Those guys have to be willing to tell what these effects are. And there aren't that many of them who are going to be willing to do it. Is all this like worth it to you as a fan and a journalist when you look at it? Or do you not see that as your position? Uh yeah, I don't know. That's a tough call because, one, I mean, I got to acknowledge the self-interest that I have in this, too, man. If they had not played these football games at my company, it would have been a bloodbath. Like, if 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 like college football had not played this year, it would have been 
colossally detrimental to the bottom line of where I work and where a lot of people work, because that's the basis of where the money comes in here. Um, The ripple effects of not playing these seasons, the ripple effects of these billion-dollar industries shutting down necessitated that they had to give it a go. It is felt in a lot of ways like a business-as-usual football season in the NFL. Like it has, in, in a lot of ways, it has just kind of felt like what football typically is a bizarre war of attrition. I guess maybe part of the way to look at it is if my conscience was going to kick in about watching NFL football, it, 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 it may kick in at some point, but if it was going to kick in to the point where it was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore, that would have happened a hell of a lot sooner than this. What are the chances you think there's going to be a Super Bowl this year? 100%. Bomani Jones, I love talking to you. Thank you for doing this. Nah, no problem. You have a good one. Bomani Jones is the host of The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. And that is the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, and Davis Land. We had some help this week from Franny Kelly. We get help every day from Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict, or as I like to call them, the A-team. I'm Mary Harris. I'll catch you back in this feed tomorrow.